Anxious attachment is one of the attachment styles that describes how people connect and relate to a person they're into romantically. Now, some people have a secure attachment style, others are anxious or avoidant or disorganized. The anxious attachment style usually develops in people whose safety and emotional needs weren't cared for when they were kids. And it's as if they never got over it. And the style of trying to connect and form a relationship with a partner mimics the incredible effort they had to make when they were a child to read their parents' minds, to not get abused, to make sure they didn't get left. And this makes it really hard to cope with the uncertainty of new relationships. My letter today is from a woman I'll call Yvette. And she writes, um, Hi Anna, I have only understood as of lately that I have an anxious style of attachment and it's helped me understand myself, but now I feel stuck in this space where I don't understand how to get out of it like so many situations in my life and don't understand why I feel unlovable to men. All right, I've got a pencil, I'm gonna circle some things I wanna come back to, but let's read all the way through Yvette's letter and see what's going on. My child was filled with depression that my parents never understood. Their mindset from the country we came from might have played a big role. I often remember seeking love from my mother, which she gave me, but often seemed, she often seemed annoyed at me and would rather enjoy her time drinking with friends. My father never told me that he loved me as a child as a teenager or as a young adult. He always criticized me, complained that I was la a lazy fat ass, no good for anything, compared me to other children, and told me how much better they were than me. Huh. My parents' friends also criticized me in front of them. My parents never stood up for me. I have memories of some sort of sexual abuse by close friends of my parents and my own friends, but it seems ridiculous to me to think that these things happen to me because I know others on this planet have had it much worse. My parents always fought, used, used me to help them with everything as a child. I used to wake up and make my own breakfast, microwave pizza before school. I was also always afraid of my father because he was a tyrant towards me and my mom. Now I'm afraid when I don't do what people want, but I'm learning to slowly set boundaries. However, the shame is immense. My whole life I needed validation, and so do I now, but much less. The amount of times I've fallen in love with celebrities, young men that did not reciprocate feelings, are endless in my eyes and do not have an ending. I got out of a short but very toxic relationship two years ago and decided to try dating again. I know what I am looking for in a man, someone very similar to me in their ideologies, free time activities, music, food, and so on. It's easy for me to make friends. I'm approachable. I'm easygoing, but I guess the fact that I'm chubbier, maybe not even pretty enough, has made men not want to date me. And so I have been on this dating app on and off for months and finally started talking to someone I was not too sure about. I had mixed feelings, but the conversation kept going and we quickly found out that we enjoyed so many of the same things. He asked me out before I even thought of it, as I am usually the one to ask men out. We met, he was a little late, but that's okay. He chose the place and paid for the meal. I had the best interaction of my life with him. I asked him questions to which he answered, you're going deep with that. I told him that I'm not here to waste my time and he said he really liked that mindset. 
It wasn't a one-way conversation in any way. We both asked each other questions and were very honest about our past. We went back to his place to meet his pets and keep the night going. I was anxious, but it all felt so natural, and we talked and he danced, and he made me laugh, and we stayed cuddling until 7 a.m. We did not engage in sex, but we were holding each other like we've known each other a long time. I'm not great at writing, and I don't want to drag this on for you, but we just seem to fit each other like a piece of a puzzle every single area of life. I was amazed, and so was he. He kept saying that we have so much that fit, where we want to live, the things we enjoy. He said, I was a very smart person and told his dog that I'm the new mommy. I don't know why he this stuck with me. The whole time, he was very em empathetic. The next morning, he was hungover while I was just high on adrenaline, I think. I barely slept, and I wanted to go home and give him space, but also wanted to make sure that he was okay. Every time I asked if I could do anything for him, he refused. I just got up after a while and folded his clothes while waiting for him. I did not know what to do with myself. It was all fine, but I think that toward 4 p.m., he really needed his own space. I wanted to ask him if he wanted to see me again, but I had a lump in my throat because I was overthinking about how he was feeling at the moment and that it was probably not the right moment. He asked me where I lived and said he could get me an Uber, which was my hint, hey, go home. I got my own Uber before we said goodbye. I asked for his phone number. I hugged him. And he said, see you soon. I have not heard from him since, and that feeling of having met someone that I've been looking for for so long, but ghosted me, has made me sick to my stomach for a week now. My nervous system has been a wreck. I messaged him a few days after I left, letting him know that I liked him, and if he could let me know if he is not interested anymore. So I didn't die of overthinking. I was honest with him, but he has left me with no answer, so, and I keep replaying moments of those two days, trying to understand what I did wrong. Is it because he had been in out of a relationship for only four months? They still see each other because of the dog. I'm trying to let this go. I know it's not my problem, but my heart and mind are hung on him, and that I have lost a potential partner one which is extremely hard to find in this dating world. What is wrong with me? Have I imagined it all? I hope I have, haven't bored you too much. I, I hope to hear from you soon, from Yvette. Okay. Yvette, I think I can help you. You asked the question directly, and you said, I don't know what I did wrong. And I think I can see what happened here. I don't know everything about him, but I can see a couple things that happened here. So let's go through, and I'll tell you what I circled. All right. Um... You understand you have an anxious style of attachment, and yes, I, I see it, and um, that helped you understand yourself, but now you're stuck where you don't understand how to get out of it, and you don't understand why you feel unlovable to men. All right, so first of all, when you described your parents, that explains a lot about why you feel unlovable. Your childhood was filled with depression. They didn't understand. They come from this other country that's kind of harsh in attitude towards feelings. Your mother did give you love, but often seemed annoyed and would rather enjoy drinking with friends. So that sounds, what, like an alcoholic or just, just didn't prioritize you. My father never told me he loved me, criticized, complained that I was a lazy fat ass. You know, that's really terrible for somebody to say that, but there's a particular wound when a father says it to a daughter. I'm really sorry about that. Um, no good for anything, compared you to other kids, and their friends criticized you in front of them, and they never stood up for you. Yeah, wow. 
see, I have kids and some of the things that happened to me as a kid too, I have perspective now on like what it would take for me to do that. As a mother, what it would take for me for other people to criticize my kids and not stand up for them, like it just would never happen. I feel for you. Ugh, that's weird. Um, maybe cultural, I don't know, but I see how it really hurt you and made you feel not good about yourself. Okay. You have memories of some sort of sexual abuse by close friends of your parents and your own friends, but then you think it's ridiculous to think that these things happen because you know others have it so much worse. That's the old other people have it worse thing where you can't really like assess what's wrong. So sexual abuse, here's the thing. It has a way of really, really hurting people and healing is possible, but it's really, really hurtful to people regardless of what's happening to other people on the planet. There are wars, there's starvation. It's true, but that doesn't take away that the sexual abuse may have really hurt you. And so it sounds like you haven't had a chance to check that out with a therapist or check with your parents. And it sounds like you must be very, very invalidated that you think you're being too self-pitying to think about that. So they always fought. They used you to help them with everything. So yeah, the fighting, that's hard for a kid. You used to wake up and make your own breakfast. Okay, a little bit. I'm like, eh, you know, as a, I was a working mom and my kids had to make their own breakfast at a certain age. But they were loved and they were certainly never put down. Okay. I was also afraid of my father because he was a tyrant towards me and my mom. That's huge. Now I'm afraid when I don't do what people want, but I'm slowly learning to set boundaries. However, the shame is immense. All right, so let's just take that a given. You're slowly learning to set boundaries. And, but the shame is immense. You're having a hard time setting boundaries and, um, and you have insecure attachment. All right. All of this explains very much what happened. So your whole life, I needed validation, still do. Everybody does. Everybody does, but we can't force it out of a situation with a new relationship. Um, but it's natural to like run to the relationship to hope for it. Then you say you've fallen in love with celebrities, young men that didn't reciprocate feelings, and it's gone on and on. Okay, so this is a huge red flag. I want you to take this very seriously. Like falling in love with celebrities is limerence. Falling in love with people who aren't into you sounds like you have limerent tendencies. That your imagination um, was very strong as a kid to help you create a life that was meaningful and full of love, even when it was neither of those things. And now that you're an adult, and I take it you're a young adult. That's the feeling I get. You're a young adult. You didn't say how old you are. But let's say you're a young adult and it's time now to shed that old pattern of imagining love. It's time for you to get very, very practical and clear about what you're looking for in a relationship. And then I'm going to really encourage you to adopt something called structured dating. And that's something I teach in my dating course, you can check it out there. Um, I have a webinar coming up on it as well, Structured Dating. It's a way of dating to slow things down so that even with an attachment wound, like an anxious attachment, you have a, the opportunity to get to know somebody and to process all the feelings that come up without dumping them on the other person, without inappropriately rushing in or merging with them. What I saw happen in your story here may have been merging. All right. So you got out of a very short but toxic relationship two years ago, decided to try dating again. I know that I'm looking for a man. You want them to be similar. They like things the same. And it, um, it's easy to make friends. You're approachable. I'm easygoing, but I guess the fact that I'm chubbier, maybe not even pretty enough, has made men not want to date me. And, you know, people don't talk about this, but 
um, it's true that if you have more of like the weight, the beauty ideal that's in the media, more men will want to date you. But true love is totally possible. And for organic, the organic formation of a relationship, that can all happen even if you're not at that perfect weight that you see on TV. That can all happen. So anyway, my friend who helped me when I was recovering said that to me. I was like, ah, oh, hardly anybody ever wants to go out with me. Um, and I think it's because I weigh too much. And she goes, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to repeat her language because it was curse words, but she's just like, if you want to get screwed, you know, yeah, get skinny and, you know, all kinds of people will want to do that. But otherwise, you're going to have to wait around like everybody else to see when true love comes to town. So, and eventually it did. <laughs> so there you go. So you've been on a dating app and um, off and on for months and finally started talking to someone you were not too sure about. And I had mixed feelings, but the conversation kept going and we quickly found out that we enjoyed so many of the same things. So, okay, you, you were talking on a dating app and he asked you out before you even thought of it. And then usually you're the one to ask men out. So a lot of people get mad at me, but I'm just going to suggest because you're a woman and because you have anxious attachment, I'm going to suggest to you that you just let men ask you out for the first few dates. Just let them, It's because like, this is your fatal flaw, right? You get involved with guys where it's not really clear if they're interested. So this guy asked you out. That's a good start. I'm just going to suggest to you, just let that be the case. Men know it's their cue to, you know, put that out there. They know it's their cue. If they're interested, they will do it. And for you, it would be a great screening technique to weed out anybody who, you know, would say yes because of reasons less than they're sincerely interested in you, AKA, you know, they're just like, oh, sex, okay, sure. So you wanna weed that out. So you just let them do the inviting. It doesn't solve everything, but I'm just telling you, men often need their romantic feelings activated by a little bit of effort. And I think that's true for women too sometimes, but I think there is like a difference here between men and women. That's definitely been my experience. My whole romantic life changed when I understood that because I used to do all the work. I used to go, well, I know I'm very intimidating and guys aren't asking me out. But the results I was getting was that I was going out with guys who actually weren't interested, but who weren't saying no to my invitation to go out. So actually letting that happened. That's how I ended up with my husband. I just sat on my hands. I let him do the work. And that was after the first couple months where I was doing most of the work and he got turned off. He pulled away. Later, I changed my tactic. I got some mentorship. Everything I did at that time is in my dating course. So if you want to take that, it's always linked down in the description section. And then you said, I asked him questions to which he said, you're going deep with that. I'm not sure about that. I, I, I like people being real, but if he had to comment, like you're going deep with that, like maybe it was a bit aggressive and you said, I'm, I'm not here to waste my time. And he said he liked that mindset. Um, so it sounds like you were being direct and that's good. But what, what ended up following was more than just being direct. It was like merging with him. And so I would suggest that you look at dating in a slightly different way the next time is allow it to be a time where you get to know each other for a short period of time. A first date should be very short, like coffee, coffee, work your way up third date to a meal, you know, short little dates so that you can just go, is there attraction here? Where are they coming from? Will they, 
ask for a second date, um, a little bit of information. You don't have to get to the bottom of everything on the first date. And I would definitely recommend you don't spend the night with somebody or go to their apartment on the first date. What dating is for is to find out if, so, if this is somebody, especially these first early dates, it's to find out if this is somebody you would like to start dating, right? And, if, and then dating is to find out, is this somebody you actually want to settle down with? That's what dating is for. But what happens is with anxious attachment, dating becomes this thing. It's like, here, fill me up, just fill up my life. My life is really scary, empty, and you're here, and I just want you to be everything. And then looking back and going, whoa, why are they pulling away from me? And so it's in everybody's best interest. It makes you more um, attractive and it gives you time to figure things out and get a read on the situation. And then when you're on dates, you let information come to you. You don't go question, 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 like wrenching that information out. Let them reveal to you who they are and what their agenda is. Ask questions that you need to know, but have total boundaries about intimacy, about talk of the future. That thing where he told the dog you were the new mommy is like one thing where he seemed that was odd to me, kind of manipulative or something. Nobody can decide on a first date that they're gonna, you know, be together forever. That is in movies, it's not in real life, it's not healthy, it, these things take time. And so one way that we communicate self-respect and sanity is by setting a slow pace ourselves. So in my structured dating program, you can learn about like how often do you date at first? How do you, how do you move from a third date up through the next six dates? And, uh, and what do you do if you want to end it? And what do you do if you're scared they're pulling away? Like I talk about all this stuff, but most of all, I talk about identifying the magical thinking that would have you rushing in with somebody you don't know yet. So your mind was saying, oh, he's perfect, he's perfect. But only the limerent mind can believe somebody's perfect on a first date, I'm telling you. There's no way to know. I think that realistically it takes about two years to know what somebody's really about. So dating is about taking time, it's about unfolding, and not trying to make people be anything, especially at the beginning. The conversation was so great, you went back to his place to meet his pets. That's, well, there's only one reason people go back to their apartment on a date, and that's to allow sex to happen. So it didn't happen. You were cuddling all night, but I'm just going to be the big baddie here and say cuddling is a precursor to sex, and it's a terrible idea on a first date, especially for somebody with anxious attachment. That way that you weren't loved when you were a kid, somebody cuddles you, bang, you are activated. All your trauma is now in his hands to fix for you, to respond. There's no way you can like pull out of that and go, I don't know, this doesn't quite feel right yet. I wanna see how he feels. Your trauma is like, <clears throat> and then what, this is where I think it really went wrong, is that you didn't go in the morning. So you cuddled all night and that people do that. But I think what's customary is you go ahead and get dressed and go. <laughs> it's a first date, um, you haven't moved in together and so, what was telling here is when you said you uh, barely slept, but you wanted to give him some space, but you wanted to make sure that he was okay. He was okay. You didn't need to make sure he was okay. You wanted to stay because I think you were probably having anxiety about abandonment melange, that leaving after that intense connection that you had through cuddling, even though you didn't know him, that you couldn't bear to separate. I'm going to venture. Um, you knew he was okay. So that's like a codependent um, phrase that people say, oh, I'm only here because I'm trying to make sure you're okay. 
and then you kept asking if you could do anything for him. So it's not appropriate. I'm just being like straight with you. You like to be a direct person. It's not appropriate to do things for people to fold their laundry on a first date. And in that morning, you're still on a first date. And, um, and then you were waiting for him and you didn't know what to do with yourself. So it's time to go. If he's not like actively saying, hey, come on, let's get breakfast or something like that. And again, I never recommend to anybody this like spending the night on, on a first date. is just, it's bound to, if you have CPTSD, if you have attachment wounds, this is just, it's like, it's just taking a big can of crazy and throwing it in the pot and stirring it around. So I don't recommend doing it, but I'm just saying to stay. He finally had to say, look, where do you live? I'll get you an Uber. He was trying to be kind, but he needed you to go. And he, a lot of times, um, men will be kind. They won't tell you straight up like, okay, this is freaking me out. But I would just say, this is what happened. You, you overstayed your welcome. And that probably worried him and made him feel like, um, you know, there's nothing, to, there's nothing for him to do. It won't activate his desire to date. Uh, he may have been worried about, you know, trauma wounds that he could see like shining through. So it scared him off. That's what I think happened. And you hugged him. He said, see you soon because he was polite, but you didn't hear from him and he didn't return. And you messaged, messaged him after you left saying, I like you. And can you let me know if he's not interested anymore? Um, I just wouldn't recommend doing that. Let him, you know, you've, you, if you've been doing all this chasing, let the man text you next, let him do it next, have the date, let him do it next. When you guys are very close and you, there's a, there's definite communication of reciprocation and an intention to keep dating. You can begin to say when you're feeling anxious, but for right now, I just don't recommend. So it's like, I know, you know, you get anxious. I know you get anxious, but that is way too much to lay on somebody who doesn't know you yet. And realistically, they want somebody who um, feels good in their own life. Somebody who is communicating readiness for a relationship. I have um, a video about that. I'll put it, I'll stick it on the up next thing. So you can see, you know, how to get ready for a relationship. This is good stuff to know. It's a project for you to work on yourself and prepare yourself for the next time you meet somebody where you feel really aligned. You're very clear about what you want. So you don't date what you don't want. And you're very clear how to pace it so that your attachment wound doesn't go out way ahead of you and start wrecking everything like a wrecking ball so that you, the dear person that you are, can gradually show up for the relationship and be seen and somebody can get to know you and fall in love with you for exactly who you are. All right. And it might take dating many different people. And because you have these limerent tendencies, I know you're going to be tempted to just stay very attached on this guy, but the fact that he ghosted you means he's officially off the team of possibilities for you. So everything you can do to forget about them and how you forget, how you get over limerence is you make your life as wonderful as you can. You do things that give you joy and you do things with friends. Now, I suspect that you don't have the friends. You said you make friends e easily, but you need fulfilling friendships with people who you spend time with. And that will really help take the edge off the limerence. And then you have to discipline yourself not to think about this guy or any of the celebrities or other people. If this is your addiction, it's like going off into a fantasy of perfect love. It's going to come and get you again and again until you recover from this addiction. And how that happens is think of it like a drug, that you don't talk about it, you don't pursue them, you don't contact these limerent 
objects again. And when you notice that you're thinking about it, have a go-to happy thought that you go to instead. Don't keep indulging in, in like, oh, why did this happen? Or how do they feel? Or I wonder what they're doing on social media. Like shut it down right now if you're serious about getting over this. And I hope you are because limerence is brutal. Limerence will suck your soul out of you and your youth will pass you by like that. And I don't want you to have that fate. I would love for you to be absolutely loved for who you are with somebody who does fit with you. So I'm wishing that for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.